start today. Yeah. I think we should talk about what's relevant. No, I'm just kidding. We don't need any more hate and apology episodes. So, but. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm like 89% sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. It's always me doing the apologizing. So. <laughs> I'll you start you uh, can get a bit fiery sometimes. <laughs> I'm sorry that week. the director likes these cold opens. I'm sorry that I'm passionate and people disagree with me. I'm sorry that you're wrong. No. Yeah, let's. Uh... So welcome to the Dresden Files, the Dresden Files podcast about the Dresden Files podcasting podcast. Something. Somebody break a jar already. Um, <laughs> oh, we're going to swear. We're going to swear and spoil stuff. We're going to talk crazy. Um, oh, yeah. I think we're going real crazy and esoteric this time. Yeah. What do you mean um, we? Speak for yourself. There's a little bit of news. I'll drag in the you sense down and beat you. For like the third time, we've got the first chapter of Peace Talks available on jimbutcher.com, which is important because like the next, like what, we're six weeks, there's going to be several chapters posted, you know. Yeah, I don't gonna... remember if it's like actually one per week, just that there will be other chapters posted. So yeah, I don't know yeah. what was said officially, but we'll be getting some chapters before the actual yeah, release of the well, book. It's a four or five, something like that. Right. Yep. So there's that. I don't remember. Like Vidali, I think is doing another sale. They're um, doing the Demon Reach one, uh, the ooh. one that they were going to do that they eventually instead of did the Winter Lady Pentacle, now they're doing the Demon Reach Pentacle that they had already planned on doing and they're kind of green and pretty looking. Hmm. More pentacles. Half pentacles. Hooray! <laughs> pentacle will travel. Right. Um. So any, any other news or just dive into... What are we calling this? The Outer Gates Part Two, Guardians yeah. of the Gates Part Two. Yeah, that one. So, yeah, because you know we've got to have Baby Groot dancing the intro. Just yeah, this no. one's going to be a little bit worse and harder to follow. Maybe a little bit. Okay, so. Nah, I mean, so tune just, out now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for setting that one up, but uh, it, more rambling, right? So, oh, like yeah. some of the stuff was there were some. Um, questions raised in the thread where we posted our episode on the subreddit. There were some, there was so much more that we could talk about. We kind of wanted to do another pass of the cosmology episode, but because this is literally following Guardians of the Gates, then we were just like, yeah, let's just roll it all together. Um, one of the things we were talking about prior to the show was like, you know, the nature of angels again and things like that. Um, I guess take it a step back. Like one of the questions that was raised from KNNNNNNNN. Who has been on the show, also named Josh. Right. He's very helpful. I wasn't going to out him, but you know. Uh, oh, I didn't want to give credit. He always he always credit. has some good follow up questions, and you know some of the stuff was you know based on Word of Jim and some just other general questions, but kind of talking about the nature of the gates and if it's mortals that can open them why were the angels defending the gates? You know, like if, if angels predate humans or the gates predate humans, you know, there's some, some speculation, I guess some, there's some room for like, does that mean somebody else could have opened the gates? Does that mean, you know, they were just there because of whatever. I mean, when I was reading it, one of my first responses was like, well, didn't the garden of Eden have like walls before everything else, but I'm not sure that it did. So you know, I wasn't going to carry the fight there. Like the flaming sword definitely came later. Um, but, um, you know, after the eating of the fruit and everything, but I imagine it's possible there's some overlap in the storytelling there. Uh, you know, some, some similar ideas, like 
maybe it does technically come down to in the Dresden verse that once the apple was eaten, that was the real fuck up was like, you don't realize it yet, but now you have the ability to open the gates and ruin everything, you know? So, so um, that's the argument that they're having. Well, it could be. Yeah. Well, sure. the argument either way, as far as I am willing, until we see otherwise is humans in general, that they have the ability, whether they knew it at the time or not, we are a problem. Right. And uh, I like calling it a security risk. I like thinking yeah. of an in the government spooks type yeah. of way. It works so because you can't risk. fix people, you can't fix stupid, and they will always click that phishing spam email. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those work for a reason. <laughs> Single shoggoths in your area. So But I mean it's it seems to me the most sensible that the war wouldn't continue going on at the gates if the defenders couldn't be overwhelmed and beaten back and the outsiders couldn't still get in somehow. Um, so I have to imagine that even if the angels were in this presupposed world, the first guardians, they would still have to guard because the other side could, you know, for lack of a better word, kick the gate open. Right. So um, that it's always obviously been a little easier bit when you breached. have humans. Right. Well, even uh, you know doors open for both sides right so right well and and tying into that right in some of the other pre-discussion we we're having and where it starts to get weird you know for a lot of reasons and a lot of people it doesn't come up in the mainstream because it's so weird and difficult to talk about but i find that it ties in potentially to the dresden verse pretty handily you know, is, is like the nature of angels and, you know, especially with the Dresden verse, like I've heard the theory that maybe if outsiders are what was there before and you had this whole primordial thing, which is a fairly common creation myth anyway, maybe the white God in the Dresden files is actually like a rogue outsider. Like he just in the infinite chaos, it, go, it goes back to something we touched on last time does chaos always beget order or does order succumb to chaos? Like how does that actually work? It's like a chicken, the egg thing. So if we, if we presuppose that it's primordial chaos initially, and then the white God comes along and says, you know what? I'm going to clean up the place. We're going to put all the ectoplasm on that side of the wall. And we're going to put all the nice and white and shiny things in here. We'll make some humans, some animals, whatever. Um, then he may be, you know, technically an outsider, even though, you know, in chaos, you know, there's enough permutations that maybe eventually somebody gets symmetry and, you know, in the infinite chaos, maybe you don't have 39 tentacles, you just have two bottom ones and two top ones and then we call them arms and legs you know something like that but where it where it gets interesting though too is like you know some some people brought up in the subreddit and we were just looking in the scripture but like ezekiel for example describes angels as like having eyes on like all of their wings all every surface of their body you know their hands arms legs wings uh, they've got four faces if they change direction they don't actually turn because they're already facing that direction because they have eyes everywhere they just move that way and so you know like if you abstract it from the fact that it's literally a biblical scripture it sounds very lovecraft <laughs> you know it sounds very anything covered with eyes and tentacles kind of falls into his domain a little bit uh, you know, because he helped popularize a lot of that. So, you know, from a Dresden verse perspective, I find it kind of interesting. So, yeah, um, the uh, 
possible similarities between angels or divine something and Lovecraft outsiders is certainly weird if there's more of, of just then a they both all have eyes um but what you were saying about order and chaos I, like what uh he, he listed in that subreddit comment of you really need to read that book to rain in hell you would enjoy it <laughs> what was the book title to rain in hell by stephen bruce it, gotcha. it's basically thinking about that book and dresden files is they don't um contradict each other in any way but it's like the the chaos and the order and how divine anything might have happened and then the fall right yeah so i don't know it was kind of fun thinking this morning about like this is how all of it could have happened and it still makes sense with each other right i mean and that kind of goes back to one of the main things that i liked about the dresden files is that you know it unifies a lot of the myths and mythologies in a way that don't clash you know yeah. like uh, it it's something, I don't know if it's been brought up here, but it's definitely, I've brought it up with some of my D&D &D group before. It's like in D&D, &D, they assume like all of the creation myths are accurate, right? So so that kind of precludes the fact that you've got like a Luvatar from, from Lord of the Rings or whoever, it doesn't matter, I'm just pulling a name out. He created everything. But then you've got, you know, the Maiar who like, they created elves. And I'm like, well, okay, but did he literally create everything or did he create the people who created, you know, whatever? And so you kind of run into some of that in the Dresden Files as well. It's like, so like, you know, God, if the white God exists, he's the penultimate creator, right? Or did he create Tiamat who created dragons? Or did he create, you know, like Corlan, Cor you know, who created elves? Like, which which microcosms are we dealing with here? Because, you know, Christianity sets it up that there is one God and he literally created everything. So then to mix in some of those other myths, like you obviously like, did God create Zeus who created man? Or did God create Odin who created man? Or did God, you know, like, they're all the all father, they're all, you know, the big guy in, in charge. But how does that work? You know? Um, what if they were all the same thing at one point? Or like, okay, so the white god creates a thing, and that thing created other things, and but at some point all of those identities split. In the same way that Hecate is one person, but the queens are six people, but we all identify as that, that one person for Hecate. We're going to need a bigger trinity. So you, yes. <laughs> you've never seen the white god and Odin and Zeus in the same room at the same time because they're all the same guy, you know. Exactly. Right. You're you're welcome, E.G. So <laughs> she's just gone crazy. I think she really is secretly team everything's a mantle and, you know. Oh, sure. I can get that way if you want. So are you, hold on. This is, this is important. <laughs> are you a fan of the one electron theory? Because that's what this is approaching. I love like, that theory. There, there's actually only Rashid. Rashid is Dresden <laughs> and Odin and, you know. And himself. And Aluvatar. Yes. Oh, yes. So no, there's the, only the one, electron. one character. but it, There's only the one electron. That is why they all have the same charge. It's the one electron in every single thing. It's like all instances at once. Yes. I right. think it's hilarious and crazy. Um, um, unprovable, probably, but I love the story. Right. Okay, well, we've jumped the shark, so I guess that's the end of the episode and probably the show now. But uh, yeah, I just, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's the, the creation myths and how they intertwine and overlap. And 
you know, it's it's an open question for the Dresden Files, especially as well. It's like we know that the dragons, at least at one point, you know, they were in, in control of the elements. So, you know, does that mean that angels don't have a play there or, you know, some of those things like so far as it's been introduced in the Dresden Files, we haven't worried about the the cogs and how they bump into each other. We haven't met any of the, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the Greek word for it, but the, you know, like Poseidon's daughters, right? The the goddesses of the winds and the storm, did they bump into the big D dragons who were also in charge of, you know? Were those um, the Furies or is that someone else? Or no, because the, the Furies are the fates, right? So, um, I mean, some of them may also have been Poseidon's daughters, but he's specifically like, you know, the one that controlled the east wind and the one that controlled the west wind. And, you know, like once you get three three tiers down from Zeus, you start getting smaller and smaller domains where it's like, no, she's not the goddess of the wind. She's only the goddess of the west winds, you know. Like well, even like Poseidon that. himself was not the god of all the oceans. He was just the god of like, what, the Mediterranean, basically. Probably, yeah. I mean, it was was uh, Oceanus was all of it. Gotcha. Yeah, I think if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, and I don't know enough about the interaction there to say one way or the other, but yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, just yeah, I'm curious about how how those go. I mean, really, I think it's turtles all the way down, but you know, so it's the lion turtle from Avatar. <laughs> Everything right. is energy bending. Right. Everything's oh. blood bending. If you try hard enough. Sorry. It can be. <laughs> yeah. If you're a vampire or a fairy, it's pretty easy. Right. Uh, I mean, as far as creation myth goes, I think it makes sense for each of them based on this framework to have one because that gives you more worship, that gives you more power. I mean, it's within their self-interest to have people think that they are the be-all, end-all, even if it's only for a few thousand years. Right. And that, I mean, that kind of brings up another thing too, because some of these mythologies overlap and some of them are very clearly the dominant, you know, at mm -hmm. the time, like there were almost certainly other tribes out there with other ideas. And in the Dresden verse, because they're worshiped, they're going to have some power, but whether or not it's on the scale that those, you know, let's say uncontacted tribes, whatever you want to call them for the, for the, like 5,000 BC, there's almost certainly somebody out there that like, you know, uh, like the Wendigos or whatever, like whatever, whatever other kind of crazy monster thing or, or God or, or whatever is out there that they, they believed in at the time, obviously didn't, you know, make it into like a common acceptance and may not have made it into any form of history that we can, whether it's oral or written or anything else that we can do beyond like pointed cave drawings, maybe, you know, in the Dresden verse, that doesn't mean they didn't have power at the time, but what happened? Do they, fizzle out do they get absorbed did they well, metamorphize powerful enough you know. to get noticed by anyone they probably get taken in or they get consigned to oblivion right yeah that i mean that would be my guess it's it's a combination of the three probably you know like it's mm -hmm. all of the above but um but yeah as far as like mashing those creation myths together like obviously you know and it, it also begets like if if human belief if mortal belief is what gives them power you again kind of follow a chicken and the egg thing. Do they have power because they tricked some humans into worshiping them? Or did the human concept give them like life, you know, bring them into existence, you know? 
Um, in in the white gods, you know, case, it definitely seems like he's an entity outside of that, but he is as powerful as he is because of the worship, perhaps. But I mean, when the dude can literally split order from chaos, like that's powerful enough for a lot of a lot of ideas. Well, I think, um, well, at least as far as I would venture the guess is you need the mortal thought basically to exist to have the tether and then the act of worship is what gives you the power so you know it's like when they talk about the oblivion war those things are still out there somewhere in the ether or the never never but they can't reconnect to the world so they existed they just don't have the power and they don't well they might even still have their power but they don't have a connection because humans don't even think about them anymore right conversely Someone like Odin, who everybody knows, even if they just know the name. So he's got his tether and his power. And he also decided, you know, he's a special case, but just for the sake of argument. So even Zeus, Zeus isn't as powerful as he was anymore, probably. But at some point, someone in Greece pointed at something and said, hey, that's that's our God. And then so people start worshiping it. They gave it a name. They gave it the attention and the power. Mm-hmm. But just the thought itself was probably enough to spark something. Right. I mean, it started out as a lightning bolt, then it was a goose, then it was a cow, then it was sand. I mean, no, Uh, sorry. I mean, it makes, that's why it does make sense that a lot of things like, you know, Odin becoming Kringle, he just adapts, he becomes something new. So it's easy to stay, it's easy to more or less keep your punch and your, and your hand on the wheel. Right. Not everybody else needs that or is going to do that or is interested in that. Mm-hmm. What was the point of publishing the Necronomicon again? Like it, To it dilute was, it. To dilute yeah. it. But the Necronomicon was like giving ideas of how to contact outsiders, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the White Council accomplished their goal, but they were idiots about it as far as everybody else is concerned. Like, it, not to politicize it, but it's a very American <laughs> thing to do, right? What they what they knew about, because they can't know about the other thing, right? They knew that um, ritual magic can be diluted, especially for some of the lesser powers, by more people calling it. If you turn on all the taps in your house, there's less less water pressure as the concept, right? So, so like there's only, or we could go a network thing, right? There's only so much bandwidth going to your house, and too many people downloading it makes the internet slow. Um, the internet that's, analogy easier than water pressure. Well, I'm a nerd, so yeah. But, <laughs> Either way. Uh, yeah, we got them both covered. So yeah. Uh, So the idea is that, you know, when you try and summon something from the Necronomicon, it doesn't really work because the lines are busy, uh, because too many other people are doing it. But the problem is they also fucked consigning those guys to oblivion, because they can't know about the oblivion war because they're mortal. And that by it in and of itself would give them power, you know, like it's, it's goes back to backup again. We can't let Harry know because Harry is a very powerful wizard and him knowing by himself is enough to give these things purchase, let alone the whole fucking white council, you know, and what that looks like. Necronomicon is giving directions to contact outsiders, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the, among other things, it's the book of the dead. I don't know how much is like actually it depends on like the the story we're in right now like what it actually contains right so but anyway it so just yes. seems like if it was like this is how you contact he who walks behind maybe someone shouldn't have let that be published right or or fuck but, with it but that's also i mean that could be a big part of it right 
how many people in the white council would know that and how many of the in the white council would believe it harry fucking knows better but only because he literally saw the gates but up until that point he thought they were a metaphor outsiders he's listed as just powerful demons multiple times you know so like other than maybe the senior council who would know better you know well maybe not even because the way rashid makes it sound is the council knows very little about what he does in general right i have to imagine that makes sense for one reason but that invites then someone like i don't know a arthur langry type who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he's like well this is what we're gonna do and he doesn't know any better yeah and i mean and you can also make the argument for degrees right like i'm sure that publishing the necronomicon set back the venatory by centuries right but did it save centuries worth of anguish by having these powerful rituals running around otherwise you know like yeah sure great you know we're gonna in our immortal lifetimes, you've now set us back some kind of noticeable time frame that we're going to have to deal with now. But, you know, we saved mortals for 300 years, you know, versus, you know, a bunch of craziness too. Like, like it, it depends on the perspective you're looking at, right? Like from, from the Venet, from the Venatory, you know, it was, it was a setback and it was a stupid thing to do. But the White Council still did accomplish a powerful goal, which is to sap most of these rituals. I say most because I imagine there is some creature in there. There's some ritual that doesn't have the same limitations. But oh, well, it's got to. We've seen walkers come here, right? I mean, we've seen outsiders come. The the Reds called up an army of them, or at least a supplemental army of them, right? Well, there's got to be other things, other ways. You know, maybe yeah. you can't maybe you can't call up Cthulhu because of this thing being published. But you know, if you can get his smaller, younger brother, well, right, what'd you really accomplish? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely like, would you rather be nuked or hit by a Moab? You know, like <laughs> the destruction is comparable on a certain scale. Like, well, to you personally. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but uh, yeah. How many people do you think actually know about the Outer Gates? Because we got that question of, did the Archive, does the Archive, I assume that the Archive knows about the Gates and that Winter is protecting it, but why did they try to eradicate fairies when they're the people protecting the Gates? Right. Well, it depends on when they tried. Uh, hmm. I mean, they, if you, if you go by the whole Gutenberg printing press and the Brothers Grimm and they tried around then, then that was fairly recently in comparison to thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. But I have to imagine, you know, if it's got people like Thomas and Lara in it, you know, maybe Lara's a little more clued in now, depending on how much her dad knew. I doubt Thomas knows that they're necessarily a, th- a physical thing like that. So, I, you know, I have to imagine the major powers, your, your Odin obviously would. Um, the mothers, of course, know. The angels know. The did Aurora? I mean, that's if Molly knows. I have to imagine Aurora would have. I have to imagine the lady has some general idea. Does Molly know? I don't remember yeah. it saying. Okay. Cold case. When they t- when she. Tells oh, because her, yeah. uh, well, Carlos described insiders versus outsiders. 
Well, he knows about outsiders. I don't remember that he brings up the gates. I know she and it's, Matt talk about it. It wasn't the gates, I guess. I, mean, I was just remembering that he just describing the sleeper as being the insider. Like he understood how they were the similar relation. Right. I just know she and Matt have the conversation. She asks her point blank to consider the outer gates. And mm. and so that's what they, they talk about, the whole reason that she has to recruit changelings. But, but it's also, it's it's kind of like in Electus, right? So she considers it, meaning she has access to the knowledge. Right. Does not necessarily mean that the previous mantle holders did that because it's a conscious decision. Like uh, Maeve could give two fucks, you know? So maybe she didn't ever know the score because she never stopped to consider it. I know it's thin, right? I'm not saying like mm. it's super likely, but it's possible that she never dove that into it. It's more like mom said, clean up my room. And I said, fuck you for 300 years, you know? Um, well, it seems to me more on, at, at a minimum on the winter side, they're going to know. It's kind of, kind of like winter law. You're just, you just know it. Sure. You know, Harry doesn't because he's still immortal and he doesn't have to necessarily, mm. except <laughs> when it bites him in the ass. Right. But somewhat, it's like Molly when she can't even speak certain things or do certain ways. Like she's just going to know this shit. Now, Summer, I guess you could make the argument that they only have to know so much as it takes to counter Winter in their role. But I, I would argue that Summer then has to know the whole deal because they have to know, like I have to imagine, Titania, I know Mother Summer knows, she goes there. I have to right. imagine Tanya knows based on one, their conversation, him and Har her and Harry, and two, just if she's going to be a counter check to Mab, she has to know that Mab going off the rails is a bad thing for any number of reasons. Well, and isn't Lily's the one that gave her the name, right? So, or gave Harry the name Nemesis. So, right, which she would have gotten know. from Maeve. Uh, no, wait, Titania, um, Titania. Titania gave the name Nemesis, uh, okay. and then he asked the mothers about it. And so you can say adversary. That's a word right. that we can use. Right, as well. Lily called it a contagion, and she knew enough to know that it was there and what it did, allegedly. Right. Maybe. Her but I mean, I mean that's that's kind of a big deal though too. Like you're, we're talking about the queens, not the ladies necessarily. Like not definitively the ladies anyway. And then you know the mothers for sure because they've been to the gates. Um, and then you know select senior council members might actually know the truth. So it's it's not super common. Like you right. know, they I yeah, I can kind of buy Ramirez because we. We don't know for sure, but it's likely that he's the captain of the wardens now or something pretty close to because Morgan's not there. Lucio's kind of, you know, possibly still out, you know, or or at least a figurehead. So somebody's actually fulfilling the duties and we don't know truthfully who that is at the moment. But since Ramirez is being tasked with security for peace talks, it's very likely that he is, if not the captain, he's, you know, like the right hand or inner circle or something along those lines. Yeah, like so, what Morgan would have been. Yeah. I mean, I imagine, yeah, he's probably like the frontline captain. I have to imagine Lucio is going to keep the honorary title at a minimum. Yeah, she's the politician still. Until because... she goes. I mean, I if I had to guess, I would imagine Ebenezer knows the gates are actually a real thing as both his job as the black staff. And Considering he's technically allowed to call them if he wanted right. to. Yeah. Right. Right. So I don't know that, you know, necessarily ancient Mai, for instance, knows that they're a thing thing. Right. 
I see. Yeah, I just have a tough time with that because I I just imagine that most of the movers and shakers from the Battle of Sicily, for example, would know. So that means Ebenezer Rashid, obviously, uh, Langtree was involved, right? We got those for sure, um, but maybe not Listens to Wind or Martha Liberty, you know? Oh, like Mar Martha Liberty, though, in Summer Nights, so you know what he was meant to be. Right. Uh, and, and like going back to the journal microfiction of calling him a destroyer, it's like right. she seems to know the risk that Harry could pose as being a starborn with right. the Outer Gates and all that shit. I mean, I could see Ebenezer's little block of friends knowing even if he told them um, right. for the sake of trust and Watching needing to know Maggie, this kind of shit. Margaret. Well, yeah, I have to imagine Margaret probably now. Right. I mean, she was kind of sleeping with Lord Wraith and he definitely knows. So, right. or, or at least knows enough that they are a super powerful demon that he summons you know well, like, he's protected by he who walks behind right that's why right. he's invulnerable to magic so the, that he's is got the but supposition harry also definitive right again harry knew about the walker as well being beset by the walker multiple times and de destroying him quote unquote but that doesn't mean that harry knew he was an outsider he just knew he was a powerful demon up until like what ghost story like then he realized that you know he holy shit he was an outsider and a knight. Oh, white knight, white knight. Like, yeah, that was white knight. Is it because I know? I mean, we kind of Lash revisit you. the the fighting and ghost story. That's yeah. Lash was. tells him in the in the oh, okay right free brain moment that they're outsiders that he walks blind as a knight among their ruling class. This that and the other thing. You're right. You're right. Because she's the one that tells him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but even still, I mean, yeah. So we're I mean we're nine books in before Harry knows. So. Well, even Ebenezer, when he's talking in Blood Rights, doesn't know enough to know whether or not it's an outsider protecting him because he rattles off several options. He like, could be this, could be a big damn demon. He doesn't know for sure what it is. Right. Now, it makes sense based on what we know about how magic interacts with outsiders. If it's just kind of fizzling out or sliding off him, it would fit. But I could see you not wanting to put your lips to that to know for certain if you don't know for certain. Right. Yeah, how do you identify that kind of magic? Do you lick it? Is that the scientific <laughs> protocol? I, I don't. <laughs> Is it Mordite? <laughs> Why does Mordite show up so often? When it's it, like that's what he says. It's from the outside. That's why it's so antimatter explosive, right? Yeah. Well, it only yeah, shows up three times. Three? I was thinking twice. When's the? Was it? There's uh, okay, the archive so, pulls it out for the duel. There's right. the. Uh, Peabody using it, and there's yep. Katie's crown. Oh, right. Yeah, the crown. Yeah, yeah, the crown is the one that stood out to me. It seems very uh, not like the other two. Yeah, but like the gods, you know. I was going to say, yeah, that's uh, if you want to show that you're fucking badass. <laughs> I get that part. Uh, yeah. It was just like it's being used as a threat by people who are extremely powerful and actually like using it to attack the white council and then he's using it as a crown and yes it's the the he's showing off how badass he is how many people actually have access to summoning mordite the real question is do you summon mordite or did a mordite asteroid crash into wakanda and they just have a corner on the market of all the mordites so well, I mean, you consider the comparison Hades makes between himself and Harry. What if he actually was more or less the guardian if and when the Greeks had the hold on it? And so he would have it. He could have had it any number of ways by dint of that that role. 
maybe uh, Spot goes out and he plays with a Mordite ball and like that, he brings that back and then they just like chip off a little bit off. I mean, it's also, you know, they give it the colloquial (laughs) name of Death Stone and what it does, it makes sense for a god of death to be interested in it. Right. It's insta-touch vaporization. (laughs) Well, he's god of the underworld. It's not exactly the god of the cause of death. Granted, but I mean, it's still the connotation is with him. Right. I mean, if that's the case, then Mother Winter being the cord cutter, you know, does is that one of her jars on on the wall, you know? The jar of Mordite? Maybe yeah. that's what Wormwood is. Right. Maybe Wormwood's so. just one big fucking thing of uh, Mordite. Yeah, it's a mist fiend with Mordite in it. Like, yeah. Wormwood is actually a plant and it's supposed to have hallucinogenic properties. The uh, thing that I always thought it was it's going to be something that basically does the third eye thing of like ripping open everyone and, and you have to see everything that it is now. Well, it depends if it goes the biblical route that we, it was a star and it poisoned all the waters. That's what Wormwood was. Hmm. Right. Which I mean, seems a little right. more, you know, world ending. But right. what is the thing that Mab said in small favor? The stars will fall from the sky before Mab keeps not her word. Right. Yes, before Mab fulfills not her word. Okay. Yeah. That's that's never coming up. Come on, we could just that's a never not line. once not once yes, going to be relevant to any that's of a the very book favorite, titles. Yeah, that's a very favorite theory of people's. Yeah, empty mm-hmm. empty night is not at all a thing we got to worry about, especially with it being one of the books titles of the BAT. Definitely not. Just don't lose any sleep over that. I mean, hell's bells, stars and stones. Jeez. <laughs> Hmm. I really think there's something to the fact the uh, everyone is Rashid theory. I'll call it now because like <laughs> the little bit. I'm so sorry, everybody. I'll just this will be my last episode. <laughs> I, I'll stop empowering her delusion. No, you well, won't. You the little bit that I know uh, of uh, was I guess I'll call it anthropology. Uh, when I was taking Norse classes and talking about the creation myth that they have in the Norse thing, like there was Emer the giant and Odin and his brothers defeated the giant and people came out of his body parts for random ways uh, and then they used the pieces of his body to create the land and the waters and the earth and had dwarves holding up the sky well the greek mythology there was a giant too chronos who was uh right he, something like that and then they made things from him people and other gods it seems like there these similarities and at least those two examples just like the that the Hecate is one person and the queens are six people. If they were all actually the same thing and the stories just got altered slightly. And there are other things I've been told are really similar between creation myths of like, there's a king and a priest and a cow. For some reason, cows almost always show up. We must be talking about Indian myths. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, it makes sense. Atumla is the one in the Norse mythology. She's there and she licks the leg or something and then people fall out. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, it follows loosely with the whole adaptation thing, you know, waste not, want not. You take the shit that was and you turn it into something new. Yeah. So. Uh, and then if you keep it discreet to certain locations, like, okay, so maybe the Norse people made Scandinavia and the Greek people made the Mediterranean. And so it's true, but it's not because that was home and that was their world. Maybe. And they just but... didn't care about the other ones. 
I have to I have to believe that mortals, since they're all we all have free will and we all have souls, and that's a big angel thing, um, have to be sort of a common common thread back. Now, whether mm. or not certain pantheons had responsibility over certain sects for a while, and because I believe he he had a word to him once upon a time that the gods kind of got a little uppity and they were they were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. And so they had to take a step back also as part of uh, part of what was going on. That's interesting. Um, but if that was the case and everyone just kind of like had their own, which, which makes sense. Again, you want your power. You want, if you have the job of the guardian, you need your, your control. So if you start getting out of hand, out of line, that is also going to be a problem. You need a Titania to possibly destroy you both. Right. Well, I mean, it serves... It makes, uh, as far as the creation of the she, it makes perfect sense to me that a the worship problem, b the be- checks and balance problem. You know, all all of this fits is like you keep having this thing over and over and over, history repeating itself, where you, you lose power and influence, and the gates are vulnerable. You, somebody comes in, maybe the gates are vulnerable. This time, the other thing. So you want a more permanent guardian, and if the pantheons just keep fucking up because plenty of them have their own internal problems if not all of them, to some degree. I mean, I don't think there's a single major pantheon that doesn't have some sort of infighting and major battle between the gods. Yeah, if they have personalities, then they clash. If they just, like, there was nothing and now there's something and there is no other personalities and there's very little clashing. Right. Well, Egypt, it was, what, Set and Ophasis were the two big major antagonists. Uh... You know, the Sometimes. Norse obviously had Loki and, and the giants. giants. Zeus and them had the Titans, but they also had themselves that they just kept fighting against. So, In a lot we, of them, I mean, even if it's not directly fighting, the, the disparate elements usually have like uh, contention, you know, and a lot of that is about striking the balance, right? You, you can't have the balance without them pushing against each other to maintain you know so well and even in mortal warfare i mean how many gods were involved on different sides of the trojan war according to that mythology right so yeah i mean if the and so okay i mean it's not like winter and it's not like fairies don't have infighting but they also have a little more of a commonality like here's our job here's our job we can fight each other but Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, the the, the big boys are going to keep their pants on and, and make sure everything's working, which right. is supposed to be Meb and Titania. The ladies can do whatever they want because they just suck. Well, Winter Lady seems to have a job that's very understandable. She is the recruiter, and she keeps the peons in line, sounds like. Mm-hmm. What the when Summer Lady does, I don't know. Art. Yeah. Arts and crafts. So, <laughs> I I tend to be of the opinion that and we saw possibly hints of it already in Christmas Eve, but I, I felt this was going to be the case long before this was one that Sarisa was going to be good for Titania and sort of, you know, bring her back on track. But two, that she and Molly were going to end up working closely together. And that was more of a, there would be more uh, potential for concert and harmony between the ladies because they're the closest ones to the mortal world and they're the least powerful. So they would have the most flexibility. And we already saw Lily and Maeve doing it. Even if one of them was being led astray, they were still mm-hmm. able to do it. Right. Whereas Meb and Titania 
even forgetting even their personal history just seem like their mantles won't even consider the option well i mean going back to like summer night right like they were in opposition up up until the climactic and then of course titania's feel bads got hurt so she put you know that emotional skin in the game but up to that point it's more like don't bother me the machines are moving you know it, it's it's machinations of power rather than they want to be doing this you know mab has to defend the table and titania has to answer her even though neither of them actually set the wheels in motion because it was really uh, Aurora and, and Slade. Uh, and then once Aurora gets killed, you know, it's like, you know, of course I know it has to be, it, it has to have happened. That doesn't mean that I don't, you know, want to burn you alive for making it happen. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just. Plus, I mean, it makes sense to be this passionate at that level because sisters or not, there could come a day where Titania has to take her out and take herself out with her. So you don't want that problem uh, of maybe deciding, well, maybe we can work it out if she's actually gone off the rails. Right. Because that's no good for everything. So if it's like, you know, Dragon Ball Z and Goku keeps letting Frieza go, that doesn't really help anyone. This is what happens if I bring up anime in the pre-show. Yep. <laughs> it's your fault. So <laughs> slight pivot, unless you guys have got something else going on there. So one of the other things um, that came up, uh, most mostly from Josh again, but you know, just kind of the same idea. It's even addressed by Jim and words of Jim, and, and I think a little bit from Uriel is that it seems like so I mean Harry's the fulcrum. We're kind of getting the gist of that through word of Jim and as the story unfolds and everything. And it seems to be that earth, especially our earth as a result is kind of important to that. So does that mean that the other earths don't have gates or they don't have fulcrums or how does that all kind of unfold? Because especially if you, if you look at the archangels, like at definitely the archangels, but maybe the angels entirely. And the fact that they can either see and or operate in the entire multiverse instead of just these singular instances, like Mab is probably our Mab, right? And then there are multiple Mabs, but there's only one Uriel. You know, how does that play out with the Earths? Are, is the same battle taking place on all of the Earths? Or only ours is in danger, and because ours is in danger, the whole multiverse is in danger. Like, what do you think about that? Um, well, that's an accomplishment. I tend to think. <laughs> I tend to think that if there are, so we know Mirror Mirror is going to be an alternate reality. So I have to imagine if they get in, for instance, in that reality, then that reality ceases to be, but it doesn't span across all realities. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, when Demon Reach was slated to be uh, jailbroken in cold days, you know, and they were describing it as the end, if that happens, I don't think that means the end for all reality and all time in all space. I think it means for all intents and purposes, the important thing, which is our story ends. Um, so I would say it's more like the gates exist everywhere, but they're all kind of just windows and reflections from the one outside. You know what I mean? Right. 
Well, and, and kind of the nature of the outsiders belies the fact that, I mean, like, for example, if the white God and the archangels are multiversal or however you want to call it, that they can exist in all points in time, maybe the outsiders can as well. Um, my initial thought was that it, it was more like, um, forgive me for blending my nerd stuff again, but like the blood war from D&D, where it's like, you've got the... Um, the chaos of the abyss, for example, and the abyss is just endless. You know, it's it's bubbling chaos, and it's just there is no end. And if they invade a world, then that world falls. And but they have to invade each world individually. That was kind of my initial thought process. But I want to say there was something that I read at one point that it was like if they get in any single world is basically game over. But I, I guess the argument could be made, is it immediately game over or is it more like that's the beginning of the end because they would be inside the multiverse and how do we stop them at that point? You know, um, it, so is it like we we poked a hole in a balloon and eventually the whole thing's gonna fill up or is it like the balloon popped and it's just game over, you know? Um, I think it would take an awful amount of luck and an awful amount of convenience that the outsiders haven't been able to get in anywhere else ever. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, just, just kind of interesting. And then, you know, spreading out the, the multiverse theory a little bit, like one of the things that I use to shape my understanding of that, whether it's accurate or not, but it's, it's one of the rules that, that I follow is that there are, because if the multiverse is literally, you know, infinite choices, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, once again, mixing. Uh, but if it's all of these things, right, then if you can think of it, then there is a multiverse where it's happened. So, you know, in one universe, uh, it's not Dresden and the Scoobies, it's Dresden and the Avengers. And he's Iron Man, you know, and whatever. And it's it's literally indistinguishable for those things. But I prefer where, where this comes back to being grounded in some kind of reality is that I think that there's local levels of your infinities, right? It's more common for there to be like, okay, so there's there's the multiverse as we know it, then there's evil Dresden he, because he made the bad choice in uh, Proven Guilty. So we know that's coming, right? Uh, but then there's the multiverse where Dresden died. Uh, sorry, Grave Peril, you're right, uh, my bad. Uh, so Grave Peril, then there's the multiverse where Dresden died. And so Elaine became the fulcrum because she had the potential, but oh, there can only be one anyway. So really it's Elaine is the fulcrum, right? And then there's the one where Elaine and Dresden died. So it's Rashid is the fulcrum, right? So like these are very much, they're very identical to ours, but there's like one major difference or there's one choice difference. And so, you know, like do these become pocket multiverses, pockets of this thing where it's like, if Dresden fails here, it's not like the end of all creation, kind of like what we were saying. It's like, if if he could get in anywhere, it, it'd be the end of everything. Uh, or is it just the, the end of like 139 of them because they are that connected or that local? It, it goes back to Jet Li's The One again as well, where it's like, there, there are like 250 of you and there's one where you're gay, one where you're a woman, one where you've got blonde hair for some reason, you know, just whatever else. But, you know, they're only so many that you actually exist in because there's the one that you got killed as a, as a child. There's the one where DeMorne threw the baseball too hard. There's the one where you got hit by the car. There's the one where in the full moon garage, you didn't get saved, you know, like it, the Dresden files that we have in the scope of the multiverse is almost like the brightest timeline version, right? Because how many times did he get lucky 
to survive this long, which means every single one of those instances is a multiverse that he doesn't exist. You know, um, it's somewhere he died initially and somewhere he only died later still, like where he got lucky nine out of 10 times instead of all 10. Uh, you know, so it, it could it could be that there's some overlap there. But I mean, that's that's the problem I have with like the multiverse theory and true infinity, uh, you know, which which barn is full of real fake doors and, and Dresden's the real fake door salesman. And, you know, which which one is them as slug people and which, you know, I'm, I'm generating universes people. right now, you know. So the what was that director? Telephone people. Yeah. Nice. Chair people. It's uh, Harry Dresden, million ants in his eyes. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> E.g. not picking up any of the references. So, <laughs> Don't once. watch it. Don't care. <laughs> yeah, can't wait till next week. So. I know enough to know what it is. <laughs> what you're saying, which he, is just reinforcing. I no like, need to watch it. The director's like, I finally get a reference that E.g. doesn't. Yes. It finally happened. So when I suggested that topic, and his response eventually. just, ew. It's like, this is fun. Awesome. Right. Uh, mm. So, I mean, I, I guess, I guess there isn't ultimately a point, but that's one of the, that's one of the rules that I try to apply with universes is like the ones that have the least amount of change are what I would refer to as local. And then you get the ones where it's like, yeah. you know, so dramatically different where we have Harry Dresden never got, uh, never got taught by Justin DeBorne, but it was instead uh, adopted by Alfred, you know, and now we're mixing universes because if Dresden belongs anywhere, it's the Marvel universe. But, um, you know, so it, you get stuff like that, but because it can be thought of and whatever, maybe there was a way to get there, you know, maybe 3000 years ago, somebody made a different decision that led down this crazy ass path that wound yeah, up with him being it. Batman. You know. infinite infinite infinites because at every single moment when someone makes a decision it's different right. and the real uh many worlds things like every single moment where an electron could be in a different spot is a different is. <laughs> right yeah right. um yeah the, the one electron across many infinite universes <laughs> right right so there has to be some sort of locality to have effects so probably several even just like a small hundred amount of them probably having the ripples of uh demon reach getting attacked right that was probably something like that could be found bob ha didn't have a chance to go into those dimensions to be able to see if it was happening but they probably right. were right i mean if bad things can happen it's probably gonna i i personally i i almost would rather ascribe the fact that demon reach and its creation makes it more similar properties to Uriel than it is local because it, it's created in so many different points in time and dimensions. It, it is a microcosm to itself, right? Yes. It is, yeah, it is a point where these overlap potentially. Well, um, if we go by what we said last time that beings that have intellectus are the multiversal ones that would include demon reach, even if it's only located there, right there. Yeah. How far back did Merlin go in time to do the oldest point of the uh, first time he made Demon Reach and the many, at least five times he did it? I understand what you're asking and the question or the answer is yes. So <laughs> we don't we don't know because we're too dumb, but also yes. Right. So but like, so how far back is that first point where it might have been different? So he made Isn't Demon Infinity Reach. Infinity fun? 
Well, he can't go so far back. How many people that are Rashid, damn it? <laughs> he can't go so far back that the earth was inhospitable to life. And he can't have gone so far back that you couldn't even breathe, I, I would imagine. But you could have been around for dinosaurs. Right. Sure. And he made, like, I, that's but even a that. thing that unifies it from, like, uh, before Sue, but when oxygen was around and not at least a level, he does the first point and it's like a, a, a bottleneck of all of the things that can happen are going to be that, at least from this point branching. So does he go back to when Demon Reach itself manifested or does he go back further to when Earth didn't have liquid oceans? You know, well, I would start with that. It depends a little <laughs> bit on the nature of Demon Reach, whether or not right. we assume he's his own thing that got co-opted or if he was created. Right. I thought he was created. Well, it could be, it could have been a naturally occurring spirit that was just sort of like, you know, given purpose to do this thing. Kind of mm. like how the she were created. Um, you know, it, I would, it, there's I also... would imagine he came with the ritual, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, you know, I, there's a lot of unanswered either way, questions there. For it doesn't... Sure. Infinite yeah. questions. Right. Well, we know his limp comes from a glacier. Losing, yeah, so the Ice Age, so... If so he, he's that old. If he existed before that, there you go. Right. Yeah. Uh, it does. I mean, yeah. Once you're twenty to forty thousand plus years back, it does kind of become academic for our purposes, because that's several. Like that's almost an order of magnitude older than you know any form of human history. So, like written. But well, it also depends sort of on how how Merlin accomplished it. If it was his own power, then he's scary enough but if he had you know angelic cosmic help, for power instance, right mm. you know if he if he had that kind of thing if a dragon helped him you know something <laughs> that was moving along continents that mm. this kind of power you could at that point then you probably even could go back to when the oceans were just fucking methane because <laughs> it wouldn't matter right. yeah it just it just becomes a question of like what what ultimately is demon reach in that way and what did it look like because the island presumably, you know, in this case, it may be that it was just part of the land that didn't get carved out by the glacier, right? And that's why it's an island instead of just like a plateau or, or just flat land or whatever. Um, but, you know, if you go back far enough, almost certainly the topology has shifted, you know, well, yeah. certainly if you're going back billions of years. Yeah, um, going I back mean, to dinosaur time to set it up, then the continents were not in the same shape, right? Well, yeah, right. it was also Pangea that. way back yeah. when and then before the split. Right. The other thing that we haven't talked about yet and kind of gives us another idea along those lines is the way that the wards work, especially on the lighthouse. They're, for all intents and purposes, according to Harry, impossible. And it may be that they're impossible because they're sort of tesseracted on each other through multiple dimensions and the ability of being able to to use the site to see that shit uh you know is how he's able to tell and that's how it exists in multiple points in time and multiple you know multiverses and that because of the nature of the wards they're feeding off of each other like some i mean this is obviously a huge amount of speculation taken with a grain of salt but that that may give another kind of clue certainly doesn't solve the the riddle but you know, it, it may be that he did ultimately, you know, write it this way. And you, you have to, to ensnare and protect it from outsiders, you know, because again, if, if Uriel is multiversal and outsiders are at least multiversal because 
of similar power levels and shit like that, then the prison in which to contain them would need to be maybe. Otherwise, they would just slip out through the fourth dimension or seventh dimension or whatever and go for a stroll, you know. Um, well, and he says the uh, the work predates history as it's known. So, which I mean, that could be like ten thousand years, but we sure. know it's older than that because glaciers. So, but well, I mean, the way he says it, the this work, the actual spells on the stone, comes from before even the predecessors of the White Council. I'm conversant in the course and application of the art since the golden age of Greece. This stuff, whatever it is, it's older. Nice. Yeah. Fun. Shake it loose. Mesopotamia. What about it? Mesopotamia. Oh, you know, uh, oh, excuse me. Older than Greece, right? Cradle of civilization. Okay. Also where the outsiders seem to be. Mm -hmm. And all the, the things with eyes. <laughs> so so maybe the spells come from that. Right? Like if he was getting cosmic divine angelic help, maybe it also is coming from the shit Enoch was seeing. <laughs> maybe. Right. It depends also how much he knows about Egyptian stuff, because that would have predated. Good point. Uh, but right. uh, Justin used Egyptian words. Sure. And I, I have no doubt that Bob doesn't have a general knowledge of Egyptian stuff that would make sense but if we're going by a literal what you would yeah. consider the golden age of Greece then you know that the golden age a of decent amount of history still in places China Egypt Samaria India even a little bit so the real question is how old is the dragon turtle and how many people did he teach to airbend and, and firebend before zero zero people before the grease they couldn't so. be trusted yeah he taught uh, poseidon's four daughters because they wanted to blow wind at each other from different sides <laughs> so has it been an hour already <laughs> just, just about, about. <laughs> all right uh do we have enough crazy thoughts to try to do this again, or do we get more grounded next time? Depends on how many people we have. Yeah, I think you're grounded. Um, oh, I'm not it's, to talk it's about the Rashid. multiverse we have. Oh, you're not. You know, yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> All right, so next time we're going to come up with a different topic so that we can spare you from the time traveling Rashid theory. Okay, so. let's do mantles and free will. We already sure. did mantles and free will. We so. can do it again. Let's do yeah. it again. People, people have some. Yeah. Do they though? Yes. At least two people have some free will or mantles. So okay. Yeah. I at least two. I'd wager. So. I go up to six. Ooh. It's a bold move. <laughs> All right. But uh, next week we are annoying EG with Rick and Morty. Yes. It'll that's be a di that's fun. a different podcast. Sure. Be I said because, next week. I didn't say next time. Because we recorded our first episode last week and it literally didn't exist. I mean, I think we talked about it a little, a little bit, right? So we we actually have a new podcast with, mm -hmm. you know, other people than just us even sometimes. The one person so, that was new. Yeah. Well, I mean. Well, if you're including Rick and Morty, you can replace me with probably five other people <laughs> who actually okay. give a shit about that show for some reason. Yes, but we like your unhappy sounds. That's why I, I keep talking about Rashid. Yeah.
I'm, I'm going to be Your buttons are easy. Band. They're really big. <laughs> there just aren't so many of them. So yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're doing more things. You can watch us argue about other crazy interdimensional shit that aren't Dresden explicitly related, but we will have tangents. You know, we will, of course we will. It's us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's more shit. Is there anything else we need to plug? So uh, this has been the Broken Jars Network. Are we still doing the drive-through RPG thing? I think so. Still have the links everywhere. So click on the link for the <laughs> drive-through RPG. Join us next week for uh, while we weren't recording our Which new we podcast. Record. Yes, I know it's just so weird. And uh, that's it. I'm out. Yeah. Peace. Okay.